Welcome to this episode of The Versatile Writer, the podcast that aims to provide support and help for like-minded writers. This is the second episode of Season 6, entitled Adaptations. If I'm honest, adaptations is a topic a little narrow from where I'm going today, but hang in there, it'll all make sense as we go. On a previous episode, I said I intended to get some reading in after focusing for almost a year on writing and editing a novel. But even though I had two novels and an anthology lined up ready to read, somehow at the time of recording this episode, I hadn't delved into them yet. So I've taken this opportunity to investigate that today. I'd love your thoughts on why you think that might be. You can post that in the the podcast's Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Alternatively, you can type the Versatile Writer podcast group into the search area on Facebook and it should come up. I'm going to give this some thought today and see what I come up with. You know how I often love to engage in a bit of self-analysis on the Versatile Writer and I think this is good fuel for that. Firstly, when I write a novel, it becomes all-encompassing. I've talked about this before. I don't mean it's encompassing and then at the end of the day I switch off and think about other things. My all-encompassing takes the shape of thinking of the story and the characters, think about them during the day and then I dream about them during the night. When it comes to sending the manuscript out to beta readers, I generally give them a month or so to do their thing. Then it comes back to me and I need to be clearer in mind so I can take on board their comments, yet still completely understand what I wanted the story to be about. So being involved with every single character on a deeper level is vital. My main worry is that I'll forget something I wanted to keep in, or I'll forget some tiny tidbit about a character's personality. So I need to revisit the story with the same amount of gusto I had originally, but with a bit more of an impartial mind. Not so easy. At the time of recording, I'm approaching the end of the month for beta reader's input, and this was intended to be the gap where I dive into the novels I've been saving. However, what's happened is I've not touched them. Not even the book on short stories. I wonder if this is still about worrying I'll cloud my mind with other people's stories, instead of my own, or if this goes deeper. We often worry we'll be influenced by the styles or ideas of other writers, but for me it's not the issue so much. Getting so involved in their story that I'm living it, and there's no room left for my story to ponder, is the part I worry about. There is the second part as well. When I read a novel, I want to fully immerse inside the world they've created, But knowing I have to eat and sleep, it just gets in the way, especially if it's a really good story. The energy I give to the other author's novel is the energy I want to give to mine, especially with mine so late in the process towards publishing. Another reason is that once I've finished the story, it's over. I think the anticipation of reading it can set the story up for disappointment too, so putting it off, or procrastinating, feels better much like when you're looking forward to a party and seeing everyone but when the party is actually happening it's not like how you imagined at all although i do want to read these novels have you noticed how much time and effort we put into not doing something it's crazy isn't it i think that's why i've been putting off reading just recently in the past few days i've picked up one of those books i was avoiding I was taken away on a weekend trip, away glamping. That's glamorous camping, if you didn't know. I didn't. It was a special treat and combined two personal events. Mother's Day 
and my long-awaited graduation ceremony. I was treated to three nights, four days in a tree house or a house in the trees. We went there on my husband's motorbike, Essex to Cornwall. For those of you listening who have no clue where those two places are in the UK or have no clue of the distance, it's around 350 miles each way. Clearly, a motorbike does not have a lot of space for extras, so we had to be frugal with our luggage. With no TV or internet connection at the treehouse, we had a perfect opportunity to read. Each of us brought two books. That was intended to be our entertainment for the weekend, and it worked. A large dent was created in all four books. My choices were Titan Books' Firefly Life Signs by James Lovegrove, and my second book was Disappearing Act by Robert Sheehan from Gill Books. But this episode is entitled Adaptations, and by golly, I will talk about them. I'm that person who enjoys spoilers in books and movies, who wants to know what's going to happen at the end of both, and who watches the movies before reading the book. Yep, that's me. Don't hate me, okay? It's just that I like to know where the story's going. I don't want massive shocks when I'm following a story or on TV, or in a movie, like the favourite character being killed off, where you worked up an appreciation of them. This actually happened to me with Wash in Serenity, Trip in Enterprise, and Otis in Chicago Fire, to name a few. Those all happened years ago, so you can imagine the baggage I've been left with. Adapting a novel for the big or small screen allows for another audience to enjoy the story. The obvious ones I can think of that have had an effect on my life are... And these are mostly books to movie or books to TV show. Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery. It by Stephen King. Thomas Hardy's Far From the Madding Crowd. TV's Star Trek franchise adapted to the big screen in countless movies. Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. And more recently, the comics and graphic novels of the characters within the DC comic universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And even more recently, the Umbrella Academy, which began life that way too. I'll also add to this Firefly and Serenity, though I believe the graphic novels came after the TV show and movie rather than beforehand. Another obvious one that I can think of but can't speak of in much detail about because I didn't see more than maybe half a dozen episodes is George R.R. Martin's Game of Thrones. Back in the early 90s, I recall watching Jeeves and Worcester on TV and not having a clue at the time it was adapted from a book by P.G. Woodhouse. I probably was the only person in the world that didn't realise that. I suspect I watched it because the characters were portrayed by Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry and so were on my radar at that time. I think that's often the way things do catch my eye. As I said before, I'm probably that person who finds there's a book after I've watched the TV series or a movie. Adaptations from novels lends itself to being a worry which actor will be cast and how they will portray the book's telling of them. Graphic novels are a slightly different kettle of fish because they already have an idea of what the character should look like in vivid drawing form. An actor will study this carefully to incorporate that look within their portrayal. I don't envy those actors. An even earlier adaptation, I recall, was War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. It was originally a radio play. Then I first heard it via a record on two LPs back in the 80s. Then there was the animated version, a movie based on the story starring Tom Cruise and later several different adaptations of TV miniseries. 
One of my more recent attendances at the cinema was to see Uncharted. Based on a video game, it's been adapted for the big screen, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. The actors aside, it is the kind of movie I would have watched anyway, but I'm not a gamer, so I wouldn't have known about the game that much or what it was about. Lara Croft and Tomb Raider is another movie based upon a video game, and one that I watched countless times, but again, as I'm not a gamer, haven't played it. The same with Sonic the Hedgehog, Ready Player One, and Final Fantasy, and after a little research, Avatar, it appears, was the reverse, a movie adapted to a video game. You could say that my world has opened up because of my love of movies and TV, because it's them that signposted the books. It's a little ironic being that I'm the novelist. Shouldn't I see the book first, then notice that it's been adapted? Clearly not. But the question remains, do adaptations work? In the majority of cases, I'd like to think so, yes. But it depends on so many variables. What the creator of of the adaption was going for, and what the audience wanted out of it. Of course, there are times when the creator, the viewer, and the critic simply don't agree and won't agree, and that's okay. After all, art is subjective. I do think viewers have to be open-minded, though, and potentially not too precious over the character's looks. After all, unless a writer wrote a specific actor for the character, trying to get a person's look to fit an idea inside a writer's mind isn't going to be an easy fit. Obviously, there's also the issue that in a book, we get to read what the characters are thinking or intending, whereas on a screen, the actor is limited on how they can show that. Also, the descriptions of scenery, settings, anything fantastical that requires graphics to make happen, all will be easier to write on the page than show on a screen. The screen also requires the audience to see what the makers want them to focus on, whereas the writer may infer more than what they want the reader to know. For instance, if on a screen the camera pans over a park setting with trees, grass, a park bench and a family with a dog, the audience will see all of that but may overlook it. In a book, each of those things will be specifically described so it would be hard to overlook it. Plus, if it's being written about, maybe it's relevant to the story's plot rather than just scene setting. From my own point of view, and I've said this many times over the years on The Versatile Writer and even on my old radio show, Writer's Block, that because I'm a very visual person, seeing the characters and the story unfold on the big screen or small screen helps me enjoy the story so much more and potentially understand it too. I'm not above mentioning here that if the chosen actor is one I've been focusing on in other movies, chances are I'll give all my attention to the movie. Hormones. Sorry, not sorry. There's also the added issue of turning words into scenery or setting. It's easy enough for the author to write, over the vast mountainous range, blah blah blah. But if there's no mountainous range that looks the same, then the adaption creator will have to rely on CGI. Interestingly, There was a recent mention on the much-loved and much-missed TV show Firefly that was going to be animated and thus adapted into a different medium. Those of you who know the characters well and know my feelings about this will know that the role of Inara, a companion in the original TV show and the movie, is essentially a prostitute. So, in a cartoon or animation form, which may be intended for younger viewers, that might raise some eyebrows. Now, I read an article saying that they intended to lessen her role, which, in my mind, was wrong. Inara Sarah is an important character, and so is her occupation. Turning her into anything but what she was originally meant to be 
means that adaptation may well become a completely different show. I had a similar dilemma a year ago when I considered rewriting my very first novel. It was self-published back in 2006 and I wanted to rewrite it for a modern audience but in that 15 years since it was written, society had moved on considerably and so have specific thoughts pertaining to women, occupations, firearms and so on that the novel rewritten would become a completely different story. Back with Firefly, it was a difficult image to analyse with so much baggage I had regarding the cancellation of the show two decades ago. Adaptations into graphic novels, TV shows into movies and plentiful podcasts and audiobooks I'd consumed seemed to get it right. Animation though, as Wash would say, not so much. So back to my suggestion earlier, as a viewer, was I open-minded about that particular adaptation? No, probably not. Also, I didn't like the idea of the show being turned into a cartoon. It was bigger than that. The characters being Disney-fied with big eyes and rosebud lips and the men were mostly large-muscled was all exaggerated badly. Neither Wash or Book were like that and even Mal Reynolds didn't look overly muscular. Only Jane Cobb potentially fitted that description. The animators even made Book look like a tiny, fun-loving character, nothing like the wise preacher he was. A tiny, fun-loving character would not take into account the heavy suggestion that Book was indeed something else used before, something not unlike an assassin. A controversial and stark contrast from a preacher, making him tiny felt like he was being diminished. And considering the actor who played him, Ron Glass, who passed away in 2016, it felt disrespectful even though the character is what the viewer ought to be focused upon, not the actor. Clearly there's a lot of baggage here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this specific adaptation idea though, and you can do that in the Versatile Writer Facebook group. And if you're really into Firefly as much as me, I'd be happy to see you in another Facebook group I run. It's called Shiny Firefly Fans. Do search for it if you're interested. So many times when I write a novel, I tend to visualise the story and write what I'm seeing. I visualise it as a movie and frequently fantasise the finished novel will make it to the big screen. There's often one major thing stopping this thought though. I rarely submit the novel to an agent or publisher because of many reasons. One being that I'm a writer who covers several genres and agents and publishers have a tough time fitting me into a pigeonhole when it comes to marketing the books. So that's why I fantasise about my stories being adapted for the big screen because it's never likely to happen. I'll even go as far as imagining the actor or actress who'd be great in the role. But alas, that's another topic for another time. To answer the question in summary, I think you're always going to have that die-hard person who feels the story ought not to be told in a different medium. But for those who enjoy seeing a retelling, it's another medium in which they can fully immerse themselves. It's worked for a plethora of stories and it can continue to work for others in the future. Thank you for joining me on The Versatile Writer this week on the topic of adaptations.